and I hope that everyone had an amazing Christmas. And it's always crazy to me that there's all this buildup for this one day and then it just, it passes by and you got to take all that stuff down, right? Has everybody already taken their stuff down, all the lights? No? Uh, my wife was actually really motivated this year because as we said last week, being pregnant, she wants to get ready for the baby. So she cleaned that stuff up right after Christmas and uh, she wa- she's already thinking about uh, how we're going to set up our home and all these different things that are going on. So I hope you had an amazing Christmas. And can you believe uh, that today is the last service of 2013? Already went by in a flash. And uh, today is not only the last service of 2013, but it's also the last part of our series that we've been doing called I Heart. And so as we close out this series, I just want to take a few minutes this morning and talk about this, our heart. And if you weren't here last week, I just want to remind you, you can always go online to lighthousecoc.com and you can watch those messages. You can even download a podcast and you can listen to those messages uh, whenever whenever you're driving or you're going somewhere. You can always listen to those things again. And if you weren't here, uh, we talked about how we can't always follow our hearts because sometimes when we follow our hearts, it can kind of put us in a bad situation, right? We can't always trust what our hearts are telling us. And so my goal for our time together this morning is to give you a question that you can ask in any situation that you're in. That you can ask this question for any type of decision that you have to make. But specifically, this question is designed to help you when your heart is being pulled in two different directions and you have to make a decision that you don't want to make. For example... You know, you're in a relationship and you're in love and you know, things are going well and then your mama and then your best friend or your mama and your best friend, they pull you aside and they say, hey, we don't think he's the right one for you or we don't think she's the right one for you. And suddenly you find yourself in this tug of war. Do I, do I listen to my mama or do I listen to my heart, right? And you have a decision to make and you're thinking, I don't even want to make this decision. I don't even want to have to choose between these two options. Or maybe you get an opportunity at work and this is the opportunity that you've been waiting for. I mean, you've been working so hard and finally you have an opportunity to make so much more money. But as you think about it in your heart, you know that this opportunity is going to pull you away from home more. You know that it's not going to allow you to spend as much time with your wife or maybe not to spend as much time with your children or your husband. And so in your heart, you don't even want to have to choose between these two options. You know, maybe it's when you have to purchase something and you've been saving up, but you know financially it might not be the best idea. And there's so many, so many scenarios where this comes into play in our life. And at some point in our lives, we are forced to make decisions that we really don't want to make. And even though there is this tension in our heart, a decision has to be made. And so today we're going to talk about a question that will help you make those kinds of decisions. Now, one of the things that I love about our church is that we have the opportunity to hear so many people share their story. And I don't know about you, but I love hearing people's stories. It's so inspiring to hear how seeing life change in someone And the interesting thing is that when you hear somebody tell their story, you hear about a sequence of decisions, don't you? You, That's really what your life is all about, making decisions. And oftentimes as people are telling their story, and your story is really no different, 
But as they're telling their story, they get to what, you know, will be like a defining moment in their life. They get to this fork in the road and we can go this way or we can go that way. We can say yes or we can say no. We can stay in this relationship or we can get out of this relationship. And uh, as they tell their story, you realize from the outside, you're going, wow, they, that is such a big decision that you had made. And at the time, those people had no idea how big that decision was. And all of us look back at our own lives and we, and we have things that we look at and we're so glad we made those decisions. In fact, we're so glad that we made those decisions that we look back and we think, I can't even imagine what would have happened if I hadn't made that decision. And it almost makes you sick to your stomach to think about it, right? I mean, what if I had said no? What if I had turned around? What if I had gotten out of that relationship or gotten into that relationship? What if we had bought that house or we moved to this place and you think, oh, I am so grateful that I made the right decision. I think about six years ago when I made the decision to come back to church and build my relationship with God. Amen. And that decision, at the time, I had no idea how big of a decision that was. But my life has played out so much differently than I, than I know it would have if I had not made that decision. You know, in the last six years, you know, I've been able to finish school. I've, I've uh, become a disciple. I've, you know, married the most amazing woman. I'm sorry, okay, but I have the most amazing wife. I'm, I'm just letting you know. I married the most amazing woman uh, she loves God and um, we're leading the teen ministry together and now we're having a child together. And I, when I think about not making that decision, I go, I don't even want to think about that. Because look at what God has done in the last six years. I'm so glad that I made that decision when I made it. And uh, at the same time, we all look back and there are decisions we would love to go back and remake or unmake because they sent us in a direction we wish we would never had gone. And we look back and we think, if only I could go back and relive that decision. I mean, things could probably be so much better in my life. Some of the things would be so much different. So life is full of these kinds of decisions. And life is really just a sequence of all the decisions that we make. But what do you do? How do you decide when you feel like your whole future is at stake? And you're thinking, if I don't take this job, I don't know if there will ever be another one. You know, if I, take the, if I don't take advantage of this opportunity now, I don't know if another opportunity like, well, like this will ever come up again. If I don't stay in this relationship, there may not be a relationship that comes along soon. And so I want to give you this one question. And again, it's appropriate for any type of decision that you have to make. But it's specifically designed to help you through these times in life when in our heart we don't want to make a decision. But a decision has to be made. And so uh, to be honest with you, this is a really, really challenging question. And it's a question that on the surface may not seem that important. But as you dive a little deeper and as you look at this question, it's a question that many of us may seem to look at and think it's a very threatening question. And because it's such a threatening question, very few of us actually ask ourselves this. And so the question that I want to look at today is this right here. Am I being completely honest with myself? 
Am I being completely honest with myself? Am I being completely honest with myself? In other words, am I telling myself the truth about why I'm inclined to go in this direction? Am I telling myself the truth about why I want to choose this option? Am I being completely honest with myself? Now let me tell you something about you. And I know this about you because I know about me. You are an expert at selling yourself at something you really want, whether you should do it or not, right? You are an expert at selling yourself on something that you want. You are very, very good at this. I mean, you may not be able to sell anything in your life. If you're me, you should probably never take a sales job because I am a horrible salesperson. But when it comes to selling yourself on something that you want to do, you are very, very good at this. And the reason why I think you're so good at this is because your heart gets attached to an option. You know, your heart gets latched on to someone. Your heart gets latched on to something. And our heart starts generating all these different reasons why we want what we want. And we begin to lie to ourselves. And then boom, we go in the wrong direction and we don't do the things that we know we should do. And it's absolutely crazy. And the truth is we really just have ourselves to blame. Really, that's, we only have ourselves to look at. And it's because we don't ask this question. And it's because we don't really ask this question. Am I being completely honest with myself. You know, another way you can ask this question is this, why am I doing this? And then you gotta pause and say, really? Why am I doing this, really? What's the real reason I'm doing this? And the reason why we don't ask this question is because it's a very, very, very convicting and uncomfortable question. There are times that we really don't wanna know why we're doing the things that we do. But if you want to make the right decision and if you want to look back in your life and think, whoa, I, I'm so relieved that I made that decision when it came to that job or when it came to that relationship or when it came to that opportunity. And if you want to look back and have that feeling of relief, then you've got to begin with asking yourself the question, am I being honest with myself? Am I being completely honest with myself. Now, there's another thing that makes this really challenging. Okay? There's another thing that makes this really challenging, and please don't get up and leave until I finish. Okay? But the other thing that makes this really challenging is there's something wrong with you. Okay? There is. Okay? There's something wrong with you, and, and you have no control over it. And so, to explain what I mean by that, before you get all offended, let me show you a verse in the Bible. So, if you guys have your Bibles, why don't you open up to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. If you don't know where Jeremiah is, you could just open up to the middle of your Bible and you'll probably get pretty close to finding it. Jeremiah chapter 17. And uh, before we read that, let me just kind of set this all up for you. Jeremiah was a prophet, not a bullfrog, okay? Jeremiah was a prophet. You like that one? was a prophet, and he was a prophet for 40 years in this place called Judah. Now, if you know anything about history, you might know that at one point, Israel, the kingdom of Israel, had split into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And Jeremiah was a prophet in the southern kingdom called Judah, which is where Jerusalem was. 
And he was a prophet during a time when God was judging the nation of Israel. God basically had a contract with the people of Israel that said, hey, if you obey me, if you keep my law, if you behave, then I will bless you and I will be with you. But if you abandon me, if you abandon me to worship foreign gods, then I will abandon you. And I'm not going to help you out until you decide to come back to me. So this is a time when Israel and specifically Judah had completely abandoned the worship of the one and only God. And so they were being judged. And this is where we pick up in our story today. In around 605 BC, a guy named Nebuchadnezzar, okay, try, try spelling that one the first time around, Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, he was the king or he was the emperor of this place called Babylon and he came along and he conquered Egypt and he basically just destroyed the whole Egyptian army. And on his way back home, and on his way back home, he stopped in Israel and he conquered that whole area, including Ju Judah. And essentially he said, okay, I'm your new Lord and I'm your new master. So now, from now on, you're going to send me all your taxes and you're going to send me all your money. Okay, you're going to send all your wealth to me. And then he picked a guy named Jehoiakim. Say that three times fast. Jehoiakim. And he said, Jehoiakim, you're going to be the king of Judah, but you're working for me, okay? So don't start thinking you're a real king because you're just kind of a pretend king, okay? You're a servant king. And, and then Nebuchadnezzar went home to Babylon and he left Jehoiakim in charge of Judah. Well, Jeremiah the prophet went to Jehoiakim and said, hey, now look, the reason why we're under Nebuchadnezzar is because God is judging the nation. And we just need to go with that, okay? So just send him his taxes, send him his money. Don't get any funny ideas because you're not really king, okay? You're a pretend king and that's okay. That's okay because the issue is not who the king is. The issue is who are we going to worship? Jehoiakim, who are we going to worship? Are we going to keep worshiping these pagan foreign gods or will we worship the real God? And so Jeremiah is trying to get the nation to get back on track and turn to God while Jehoiakim is thinking, I'm the king, man. I'm the king and I don't want to send taxes and money over there to Babylon. I don't want to do that. And so he decides to raise an army to fight and free his nation from the rule of Babylon. And Jeremiah the prophet is going, okay, that is a bad idea. That's a bad idea. And he goes to Jehoiakim and he says, hey, that's a really bad idea. First of all, do you know how big they are? I mean, that would be like West Covina, California, declaring war on the United States. Okay. And in no offense if you live in West Covina, but that would be over in like three hours, right? You would just be completely squashed. West Covina would have no chance. Well, that's essentially what Jehoiakim does because he gets all puffed up and he gets all arrogant. And Jeremiah is going, Jehoiakim, you're not going to defeat Nebuchadnezzar. And besides, God is not going to honor it because God is not for you. The issue is not how big your army is. The issue is who are you going to worship Jehoiakim? Well, he doesn't want to listen to Jeremiah. And he launches this attack on Babylon. And make a long story short, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and he just completely squashes Judah once again. He completely 
squashes them and Joachim gets thrown out and he appoints this new guy as king. And you want to know what his name is? Zedekiah. Zedekiah. He puts Zedekiah in charge and he says, okay, Zedekiah, don't make the same mistake as your predecessor. Okay, I'm making you king, but you're not real king. You're just kind of a fake king. You're a pretend king, okay? And, and, and honestly, I, if you feel like I'm repeating myself, it's because I am. It's like history was repeating itself over and over and over again. And he says, I'm making you king, but you're not a real king. You're just kind of a fake king because I'm the king. I'm Nebuchadnezzar. I'm the man. So send me the taxes. taxes. Send me the money. Behave yourself, and I'll let you pretend like you're the king. Okay, I'll let you play king for a little while. And then Nebuchadnezzar goes home. Well, a few years go by and Zedekiah finally goes, you know what? I'm going to make a truce with Egypt. And together with Egypt, we're going to conquer Nebuchadnezzar and send him running. And Jeremiah goes to Zedekiah and he says again, dude, that's a bad idea. That is a really big mistake. It's a bad idea because God is judging Judah. You can't win because God is not for you. God is for Nebuchadnezzar. He's using Nebuchadnezzar to get the attention of the people. The issue is not who the biggest army. The issue is who are you going to worship, Zedekiah. And Zedekiah says, get rid of this guy. Get him out of here. And, and, and Jeremiah just won't shut up. And so eventually he has Jeremiah thrown into a well. And in this well, Jeremiah continues to prophesy, which I think is a, actually a pretty funny picture if you think about it. You know, you're walking by this well and you hear this voice going, repent, repent, right? I mean, where's that coming from? It's a well. It's a talking well, right? I mean, you should really read the Bible. It's, it's some awesome stuff in there. But poor Jeremiah, poor Jeremiah, I mean, he just had the roughest time. He had a challenging life. I mean, and, and, and he always just had bad news because prophets always had bad news. And anyways, Zedekiah is like, I'm not going to listen to Jeremiah. And he throws him in jail and he, he raises an army, goes to Babylon. And what is, happens? Nebuchadnezzar destroys him. He destroys, he completely squashes Zedekiah. He kills his family, pokes his eyes out and then brings him back to Babylon to make him an example of how powerful he is. Crazy stuff, right? Crazy stuff. Now, during that time, Jeremiah is watching these kings make these terrible decisions. Twice. He looks at these two kings and he's going, are you kidding me? I mean, even a fifth grader knows why, why, would it, why would you even try to raise an army against Babylon? Even Egypt couldn't defeat them. There's no way you're going to win. And time after time after time, the king would say, get out of here, Jeremiah. Get out of here. We don't care what you say. We're going to worship whatever God we want to worship. We want to worship these guys and we want to be the big shots. And during that time, Jeremiah makes a, makes a statement that describes something that is true of you and something that is true of me, just as it was true of Jehoiakim and Zedekiah. And he makes this huge statement about our heart and why it can't be trusted. And so here's what it says here in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. It's up here on the screen. The heart 
is what? Deceitful. The heart is deceitful above all things and is beyond cure. That means your heart, my heart, your mama's heart, your child's heart. You're going, no, 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 not my child. My child is perfect. Nuh-uh. No, it's not. Okay, your child was born with a deceitful heart. Just give them a few years and you'll see, right? You'll see that come along. The heart is deceitful above all things. And then listen to this last phrase and is beyond cure. You know what that means? It can't be cured. There's nothing you can do to change this. I mean, you don't have to be a preacher to understand this. It means your heart can't be cured. It means you won't mature past this. You won't educate yourself past this. You cannot pray enough that this won't be an issue. You're not going to get so spiritual one day that you're going to look at this and go, eh, this is not a problem for me. That will never happen. You can't go to church enough for this not to be an issue. That for the rest of your life, your heart is beyond cure. It is permanently broken. Your heart is permanently broken. Which means, and this is why this is so important, every time I make a decision, every time you make a decision, I have to understand that I carry within myself the potential to deceive myself. That every time you make a decision, your heart has the potential to deceive you. In fact, Jeremiah uses this word, deceitful. He doesn't say that the heart is dishonest. He could have said that, but he says the heart is deceitful. There are two, these are two different words with two different meanings. You've probably met someone before that was so dishonest that when you met them, you're going, man, this is a dishonest person, right? I mean, they were so dishonest that you were like, you're lying. You're lying. I could tell you're not telling me the truth. But this word, deceitful, it's different, isn't it? It's different. Deceit is when I'm going to take a little truth, but I'm also going to take a little bit of untruth, and I'm going to mix just enough together to fool you. I'm going to mix just enough together where I can manipulate you. I'm going to take just enough truth and just enough untruth and I'm going to put them together in such a way that you're going to make the wrong decision. That's what your heart has the ability to do. That's why our hearts sell us on some of the dumbest decisions you know, imaginable. And we look back and think, I should have known better. I should have known better. That your heart as awesome as I think all of you are, and I think you are all great people, okay? But your heart is deceitful, and it is beyond cure. My heart is deceitful, and it is beyond cure. And if that isn't enough, listen to how Jeremiah ends this verse. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now, in his context, Jeremiah is looking at these kings going, oh my gosh, why couldn't they see this coming? I mean, who can understand the heart in your world? This is why you look back at some purchases you made and you said, what was I thinking? How stupid was that? Or for some of us, you look back at some past relationships and you go, what was I thinking? 
Why didn't I see that coming? How dumb of a decision was that? How foolish was that decision? I don't understand why I did that. And Jeremiah says, well, welcome to the world of your heart. Because your heart is so deceitful that if it's left unchecked, that if you just let it go, that if you just don't pay attention, if you don't pause and ask yourself this question, why am I doing this really? Am I being completely honest with myself? If you don't pause from time to time and ask that question, your heart will operate in the background and it will deceive you. And you won't be any richer and you won't be any healthier and you won't make any better decisions than you made in the season before. You know, this also explains why we look at people who have a lot of money and we think, I would love to have that much money. You ever done that? And when we watch them and we kind of see their lives unfold and you see them self-destruct and you think, what happened? What happened to that person? Because you think what I think. If I had that much money, I would never do what they're doing. I would never do that. I mean, how is it that they could be, have so much and yet they can make such bad decisions? Well, it's because your heart is just as sick as their heart. And it's just as beyond cure as your heart. You can't grow past this. You can't mature past this. You can't wealth your way past this. You cannot educate yourself past this. This is something that we carry within our hearts and every single day it has the potential to impact every single decision we make. And how does it work? Our heart gets emotionally wrapped around something. That's what I want. That's what I want for a bunch of reasons that I don't want to acknowledge. But brain, I need you to go find a bunch of reasons that I could believe. And so when someone asks me, hey, Mike, why did you make that decision? I can tell them all these little reasons of why I did it. And I begin to believe my own lies. Now, if you have children, especially if you have middle schoolers or high schoolers or if you have a nephew or a niece, you've seen this because you've gotten into arguments with your kids and you've listened to them argue and you're thinking, that's not really the reason why you did that. That's not really why the reason why you want that. Come on, that's not the reason. That's not the real reason why you won't study. That's the, not the real reason why you don't want to eat dinner with us. That's not the real reason. And then they just give you all these reasons and you're thinking, no, you're just lazy. No, you're just mean. No, you're just selfish. I mean, you could see right through the lie, but when it's us, guess what? We believe our story, don't we? We will go to battle for our story. Because your heart and my heart is deceitful and is beyond anything else and it's beyond cure and no one can completely understand it. So let's just close there and we'll see you next week. All right? It's kind of hopeless, isn't it? Beyond cure. But it's true. I mean, no one's sitting here going, I can't, I have no idea what you're talking about, Mike. No one's doing that. Because we were born good at this. You were born good at this. And this is why the question is so important. Why am I doing this, really? Am I being completely honest with myself. Why am I doing this? Really? And if you're willing to ask that question, then let me tell you what you 
will experience. That question is both liberating and it's terrifying all at the same time. It's liberating because anytime you carry a lie, it grows and it gains energy and it gains darkness. And the reason we lie to ourselves is because it's the lies that give us the energy to move forward with a bad decision. So the reason being honest with yourself is so liberating is because when you're able to see the lie and bring it out and admit it, it loses its power over you. And it's such a liberating exercise. But it's terrifying because now you're accountable to you. Now you're accountable. It's terrifying because now you know the truth. It's terrifying because now I have to say, well, the reason I'm choosing to move is not because we need more room or maybe we, need, might, need a ne- a, we might need an extra room someday for when the missionaries come stay with us, right? The real reason is I have a reputation to uphold. And I want people to think I'm wealthier than I actually am. You know, the reason, the real reason is I'm just insecure. I'm afraid. But we're never going to say that. Well, I'm just afraid. Or the real reason is I'm just lonely. The real reason is I feel ugly. The real reason is I feel left out. The real reason is I want my dad to approve of me. And if you can admit that, now you're getting somewhere. Now you can move forward in making a right decision. But it's terrifying because you may see yourself in a way that you may never, ever want to see yourself. And you know what happens when you see yourself in the light of reality? You become a candidate for God's amazing grace in your life. And you will experience this verse that you have quoted a thousand times and you've heard politicians misuse this and misquote it a number of times. It's the one that says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But it's a very difficult place to get because we are naturally salespeople and we sell ourselves. Now as we close out, let me tell you how I think you should do this. Okay, and you don't have to do it this way. This is between you and you. All right, this is just my suggestion for you. I think that you need to have a heart-to-heart conversation with yourself. You need to have a heart-to-heart conversation with yourself and you need to have it in the mirror and you need to have it out loud. And I don't care where you have it, but you can go and sit in your car and look in the rearview mirror and talk to yourself, okay? I know it's weird, but you can do that. You can shut yourself in the bathroom and lock it and say, look at yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself. But you have to have it in the mirror and you need to have it out loud because I'm telling you there's something liberating about telling the truth about exposing the truth the real reason is not because I don't want to hurt her feelings the real reason is not because we need more room you know the real reason is not because our other car gets better better mileage than our new car the real reason is not fill in the blank And you just got to get out loud and you got to get in front of a mirror and you need to say the truth. And I'm telling you, it will liberate you. You will feel a sense of freedom. It will set you up to make better decisions for you and for your family and for your future and for the people you love. And you will learn to quit lying to yourself. Your heart will always have the capability. It will always 
have the propensity, but we can conquer it by choosing to tell the truth. So are you going to be honest with yourself? Are you willing to be completely honest with yourself? And when you hear yourself trying to convince your mom and you hear yourself trying to convince your dad and you hear yourself trying to convince your boss or your spouse, when you hear those words coming out of your mouth, explain is the real reason I stopped going to church is, and I cannot tell you how many times I've heard someone say, well, you know, a few months ago, and na 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 happened, and I just don't want to go to church anymore. Okay, what's the real reason? What's the real reason? You can keep using that same story your whole life, but come on, tell yourself the truth. Be honest with yourself. I mean, would you be willing to look in the mirror and tell yourself out loud? And I know that is really strange. But would you be willing to do that? You know, the real reason I'm learning, leaning in this direction is because if the reason, if the rest of your life, if you're going to make good decisions, you need to know that you have the potential to deceive yourself. That your heart has the potential to deceive you. And the reality is that you will always have important decisions to make in your life. However, the starting point to breaking the habit is be willing to ask yourself this question, why am I doing this? Really? Really? Why am I doing this? Am I being completely honest with ourselves? Because if because if you can do that, you can be freed from the control of that deceit and you will begin to tell yourself the truth. I mean, imagine what it would look like in your life if you would just face the facts and tell yourself the truth. Imagine what our world would look like if people were honest with themselves and they asked themselves this question. So I'm going to pray for the communion this time. God, thank you so much for this morning. And um, thank you for everyone that is here. And I'm so grateful uh, that they are here. I'm so grateful that this is a priority in their life. But as we look at this decision, this, this question of am I being completely honest with myself, that is such a hard question. God, there are so many times in my life where my heart wants something so badly and I know it's not good for me. But I'm so drawn to this decision. And I pray that we can all have the courage to really ask this question. And God, if we can really look at the truth, we will begin to experience your grace. And I'm so grateful that you sent Jesus to die for us so that we can experience your amazing grace, Father. So please, as we pray to you right now, as we examine our hearts before you, as we take communion, God, I pray that we will push all of the lies aside and that we will look at the real reason. Give us the strength. Give us that courage to face the truth. We love you so much. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen.